You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. Welcome to episode 64 of Hillbilly Horror Stories, our Halloween edition. This is Jerry, and I'm joined by my lovely but spooky wife, Tracy. What makes me spooky, babe? It's Halloween. You're supposed to be spooky. Just go along with it. How was that? I'm sure people with earphones are right now turning the show off. How was that? And now pedophiles everywhere are saying, (laughs) I need to use that tone. (laughs) Okay. Hey, whatever it takes. Mm -mm. So let's jump right into this because we got plenty of stuff to talk about tonight. Being a Halloween edition, we're going to have fun. All right, let's have some fun. We started off having some fun um, last night with, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, as always, I want to thank all of our military and civil servants across the world. God bless each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. And a special shout out to Victoria Reagan, who is one of our military personnel in Germany. And she actually went to Romania, her and a friend, and went to Vlad the Impaler's house. That's which so cool. Those of you who are um, really up on your Dracula will know that Bram Stoker actually based Dracula off of Vlad the Impaler, which I can't remember the dates. I want to say that was back around 1400s, 1600s, somewhere in that ballpark was when mm-hmm. all this took place. But he obviously would uh, was a, a big dictator. Was a big dictator. I know you did. And and he actually would kill people and impale their heads out in front of his castle just to let everybody know how big of a dictator he is. That was mean. And therefore, that's kind of where the whole Dracula thing came from because he was such a um, butthole. Well, that and it was just very gruesome. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, they actually went to his castle and they sent us. 
tons of pictures, which I'm going to get all set and I'll throw on our uh, Facebook page so you guys can see them. But you they guys were are very so cool. lucky. Would you just love to go there to that yeah, Dagon I, Castle? I thought it was pretty awesome. And some of the pictures are really cool, like oh. the stairway and stuff. Everything's like rounded. I cannot wait to see. Yeah, it's really cool. So thank, thank you guys you, for doing yeah, that. Thank Sorry. you so much. We appreciate that. Also want to give a special thank you to Tina Oler. Um, she actually went to the Winchester Mystery House, mm-hmm. which we've done a story on, and she sent us a little goodie package, including some Winchester shotgun shell salt and pepper shakers. That was a coolest thing yeah, I've ever seen. They were really badass. Yeah. And she sent us, you know, some goodies and some pictures and stuff that she took up there. So we greatly appreciate that. Yeah, that was so nice of you, honey. Thank you so much. It's a good time to thank our Patreon supporters because we actually had... Uh, five new Patreon supporters this week, mm-hmm. and this is the very best time to become a Patreon supporter because we have upgraded all of our tiers. So if you're already a Patreon supporter, you're getting ready to get a lot more content. Uh, and if you haven't signed up yet, now's a good time because you're getting ready to get a lot more content. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about that real quick. I don't want to harp on it a whole lot, but uh, what we've added is many episodes and when i mean many i don't mean many like m-a-n-y like a i don't lot. want people to think hey you're gonna get a lot of it you're gonna get at least one extra little small episode a week that'll be five to ten minutes and these are going to be the smaller stories that really don't fit into the regular show but they're worth mentioning and we'll do them the same way that we do the regular show we'll write it all out and uh we'll put those in so you get at least one of those a week and we're making those available to every Patreon supporter, even the dollar episodes, or the Yay. not the dollar episodes, but the dollar, well, yeah, the dollar patrons. Yeah. Because as of before, we did this. As of right now, the dollar episode, or what is wrong with me? It's been the a dollar, long weekend. It has I don't been know. a very long. Our brain are the, fried. The dollar patrons had a chance to win a free T-shirt mm-hmm. every month, and that was basically it. And they were just doing it because they wanted to contribute to the show. Now. The dollar patrons and everybody else above that, you will get these little mini episodes every week. So you're going to get at least four extra episodes a month that you weren't getting last month for your well, dollar. Good, that's very nice of you, babe. Well, I feel like these these guys do a lot for us. They sure do, and they allow More us to be deserve. able to do some other things. So um, I just want to want to give back to them. Oh. Also, we're going to start trying to uh, do. I'm not going to make promises on this one, and I didn't even list this one on the the uh, levels, but we're going to start trying to throw a couple of videos in. Now, later tonight, I'm actually going to throw some on there from the event we did, and uh, I'll tell you more about that. But there's going to be about three or four videos I'll throw on there just so you can kind of see where we are, and we're not going to put those on the Facebook page. It's only going to be for you guys to see. Cool. So that's the other thing I want to start working on is some things that are only for you guys besides the bonus episodes. So there you go. Um, Patreon supporters this week, Haley Brown, Lindsay Morgan, Linda Barnes, Maida Smith, and Jay Con. Thank all of you so Thank very much. Thank you all so much. We love you. Uh, iTunes reviews. Can't express in us how much iTunes reviews help us out. It uh, helps us move up the, uh, the rankings and helps us get seen by more people. And all that is a big plus. I uh, had 13 of them this week. We had Mass Daddy, <laughs> Matchup Chew. T. Rochelle, Three Slice Pop, <laughs> Peaches Me. I love these names. I know, man. That's great. Uh, Green Fire, which is actually Jackie Getz. So I know who you are, Jackie. So What I is it? You. Green Jackie what? Getz, Green Fire. Oh, okay. Thanks, and then, Jackie. And we've got uh, Brahms Wanda, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. That's kind of a fun name to say. Yeah, it does. It looks like uh, J Bond 101, uh, Joey Rich 325, Big O Indian, and it's the letter N, the letter D, the letter N. Hey, Indian. that's what I like. Echoes got an old school skater. Nice. You guys are the bestestest. You are the bestestest. Now, let's talk a little bit before we get into the story of what we did last night. We were honored to be the guest speakers for an event in Bardstown, Kentucky. Now, for those of you out of the area, Bardstown, Kentucky is the second oldest city in the state of Kentucky, and it is loaded with history, as we found out a bunch of it last night. Mm-hmm. Part of the Wilderness Trail, the very end of the Wilderness Trail uh, is still there. It's like about a half mile stretch with the old cobblestone. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We actually spent the uh, the night at the Old Talbot Tavern, which uh, also has about, I don't know, it's probably about 10 rooms mm-hmm. that are available. And that's part of the videos that we're going to put up on Patreon. But we stayed in a little room that was two twin beds with canopies that uh, in the past people like Andrew Jackson has stayed there, uh, Abraham Lincoln, um, Jesse James. Jesse James has been there. Uh, Patton. Uh, General Patton has Which been there. We actually there. spent the night in his room. Yeah, General, we spent the room, room. There in the same room that General Patton had stayed in. And I suppose there's been a lot of paranormal activity there. Uh, I say we saw none. Tracy swears that we saw some. She says she had some paranormal activity, but. Yeah, I did. And, um, I took a, we, me and my sister in law went in there and we turned out all the lights and, and took pictures, which of us scared because. I mean, even the room was really beautiful. It was really creepy. They had these two little baby dolls sitting on the fireplace mantle. <laughs> yeah. They were about to be gone in the corner because they were little creepy little It was things. those porcelain ones, too. Yeah. But um, I had um, a couple of big, they looked like big booby orbs to me. I mean, they were big. And then there was like this little uh, white spot down there by the uh, the bedpost. So... And I could swore somebody was kind of up behind me because, you know, we couldn't sleep in the twin bed because, I mean, well, we ended up sleeping in the twin bed because I told Jerry, I was like, what time was it? Like two in the morning or it something? Five thirty. Oh, five thirty. <laughs> and I was really asleep and I just all of a sudden felt something behind me. And I'm like, Jerry, are you awake? And he's like in his other, in the other bed. And he's like, yeah. So and then he got up, went to the bathroom. I'm like, get your butt over here in this bed. So it was me and him in this little twin bed. <laughs> And let me tell you, that bed wasn't big enough for two of us. That's all I'm saying. That bed wasn't big enough for the one of us. I know. It was, I mean, I was on the edge. He was on the edge, but I wasn't having it, me sleeping by myself. So I was trying to find a place to put my arm because nowhere that I could put it. Yeah. There was not enough room for my arm on the bed. Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was really small, but we made it through the night and made it out alive. So I guess that's a good thing. It was fun. We actually did our first live event. And what we got to do at this place is we, we came in. There was about uh, 25, 30 people or mm-hmm. so, and they all sat down, and we, we actually did the show that we're going to do for you tonight. We did for them first, so they got to hear it, uh, a little preview of it, and then we went walking around the city to find uh, um, find out some of the history. Now, right next door to this place, as cool as it is, there is the old jailer's inn. Mm-hmm. It's now a bed and breakfast, but it was the original jail from the 1700s all the way up to 1987. It's the old stone. And uh, we'll throw some pictures of that up, too, on uh, on our Facebook page so you can kind of check those out. But it was the old stone building, and they used to do public executions there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would do them by hanging. So the stockades is a replica of the stockades out front, which Tracy and I got our pictures made in. And then in the back, 
there is an old cemetery, and I'm talking above ground tombs that you would see that are falling apart. These things are, are literally from the late 1700s, early 1800s. I took some cool video of that. That's what's, uh, you can see a video of that up on the Patreon page, uh, when I get those posted. So that's part of what we did is walk through the cemetery. And, uh, it's just a really cool place full of, Revolutionary War soldiers and mm-hmm. you name it. It was just it was just an awesome. Yeah, it's a really awesome interesting night. place. It's a really cute little place too. Yep, and uh, I don't know. It was it was just a blast, and and we got to see some old friends. And oh yes, everybody yes. enjoyed what we did, and like I said, and then to be able to tie it all in with all the ghost stuff, it was really an awesome night. Mm-hmm. It was really fun, and then there was a big party afterwards, and. So, but you know, me and Jerry were pretty old, so we had to turn in for the night. Yeah, we went to <laughs> we went to bed at like one a.m. It was not oh, like was it that yeah, late? it's not oh. like it was super early or something. Oh, I thought it was earlier than that. It felt like it anyway. Okay, so let me tell you what we got going on on tonight's show. First and foremost, we are going to tell you about Loretta Lynn, the country music singer's haunted mansion in uh, Hurricane Mills, Tennessee, mm-hmm. which is right outside of Nashville. That's an awesome story if you haven't heard it. And if you're not sure who Loretta Lynn is, um, I was born a coal miner's daughter. That's who she is. Okay. That's fair enough. We'll, um, <laughs> we'll get into a little more of who she actually is in a little bit. Uh, we also are going to have Jack Kenna on the show. Yes. Jack, I'm so excited. Yeah. Jack Kenna is from Paranormal Survivor, Haunted Case Files. Uh, we had the pleasure of meeting Jack. It's Nicest a, man yeah, ever. He is so nice. Spent a lot of time with him at Scarefest uh-huh. and, and uh, got him on the show. That's It's going to be one of the more fun interviews we've done. I think you're really going to enjoy this one because uh, we got to know each other really well. So we were able to just be like friends on the interview uh-huh. and just kid around with each other. So that was fun. And then we actually have uh, uh, another show called Spectral Asylum over to UK that's actually a really cool show. Uh, especially if you like Scottish accents. That's a little bit of British, a little bit of Scottish. Uh, but you're going to learn about that a little bit later because they wanted to pre-record a story and send it over to us. So that's what we had them do if you're going to be cool for our Halloween edition. Well, good. So I guess right now we'll go ahead and jump into our story on Loretta Lynn. You okay with that? I'm, I'm ready. I love Loretta Lynn. Okay. Well, let's start off by saying that today Loretta Lynn is 85 years old and she actually still lives in this house. She's, today's her birthday? No, no. She, oh, her you birth- just mean she's 85 yeah, right now. Okay. Yeah, she's, her birthday's back in April. Okay. Loretta Lynn, for those of you who don't know, she's a country music singer. She is the most awarded female country artist in history. So that Good says a her. lot. Good for says her. says a lot. She was actually the very first female country entertainer of the year. Really? Yeah. And I didn't know that. Yeah. She was born in Butcher Holler, Kentucky, which is actually hollow, but everybody says holler. Holler, right sure. here. Butcher Holler, Kentucky in 1932, and she was born a coal miner's daughter, as you heard Tracy sing. Most of you will know her from the movie Coal Miner's Daughter with Sissy Spacek in it, which kind of kicked off Sissy Spacek's career. She won some, uh, I think she won an Oscar for that, which mm-hmm. was pretty good. Um, so that's, that's the story of Loretta Lynn. She was... One of eight that lived in a one-room log cabin. Isn't that crazy? They were dirt poor. Dirt poor. Mm-hmm. When she was 13 years old, uh, she got married to her husband, Do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, back in the 30s, it was not that unusual to get married at 13, oh, 14 no. years uh-huh. old. She got married to her husband, Do, and she moved across country to the Washington State, which was pretty damn far from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. 
it was during this time that Loretta noticed that she was actually sensitive. And by sensitive, obviously, means she could yeah. feel some of these things. Um, she had just gotten pregnant. She's now 14 years old. And she said that she could always tell when she was going to get a letter from her mother. They didn't have a telephone, so it was strictly uh, letters. And she said that she could even, she had a sense even to the very day sometimes when a letter was going to arrive, even though there was no regular schedule on these letters. Mm-hmm. Now, she also said that her mom was kind of the same way. She had the this ability, and, and she knew about this from the time she was growing up, that her mom also had the ability to sense certain things like deaths in a family mm-hmm. and if Loretta was having a tough time with something, and I imagine there were several tough times because she's 14 year old girl pregnant halfway across the, the country from her family, her mom would sense this and call Loretta's neighbor. And then Loretta's neighbor would, would actually get a hold of Loretta. And in almost every instance, Loretta was having some kind of a situation that she needed her mom's help with. Now, Loretta eventually moved back closer to home. She started a singing career. She went to Nashville uh, to make you know, her first real record, and she had her first hit in 1960. In 1967, she actually bought the uh, plantation in Hurricane Mills, which is about an hour from Nashville, so right there close to where she was at. She actually found this location completely by accident. Her and her husband were driving around. They took a wrong turn went down this road and she just kind of looked over and saw this, this massive piece of land and it was so beautiful. And she saw the, uh, the house there and she told her husband she wanted this house, even though she had no clue if the house was for sale. And it turned out that it was for sale. So they snatched it up and bought it. Good. It was not, our lucky day. Yeah. Not only did they buy the house, but when they bought the house, they found out that the town of Hurricane Mills actually came with the house. So they not only bought the house, but they bought the whole town that it came with. Oh, well, that was a cool surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and a little um, tricky part to this was she said that when she looked out and saw that, that it reminded her of the country. So mm-hmm. when she looked out in her mind, she said, when I'm looking at that, I'm looking at country. And she actually wrote a song that day and another song. And I can't remember the name of the other song, but the song you're looking at country and the other song she wrote that same day actually both went on to be number one hits. Oh, wow. It's just meant to be. I guess so. Now, Loretta would soon learn a lot of history about this plantation, including the former property owner in over the next couple of months here. Mm-hmm. Now, being sensitive, Loretta had many premonitions that had come true over the years. One of which is she had a detailed vision of her father in a casket. She learned the very next morning after this vision that he had died of a massive stroke. Oh, I hate that. I mean, when you're sensitive and you can tell things like that, that's yeah, things you don't want to know. Blessing and a curse at the same time. Of course. Now, years later, she actually returned to that little house where they grew up at. And she said she encountered her father's ghost sitting on the front porch. Just He seemed to be very content Aww. just sitting there on the porch. Well, that's kind of a nice vision. Yeah. Now, back to Hurricane Mills. Now, soon after moving in they started noticing some odd things happening. Now, Loretta began to notice that there was an adjoining door between her room and she had twin daughters that were toddlers, like three years old, four years old, somewhere in that ballpark. Mm -hmm. And her bedroom and their bedroom right next to each other. But she kept noticing that the door that was in between the two would just open and close by itself, which some people would say, eh, that's not really, you know, anything odd. 
the odd part, I think, comes when the, the fact that the twins would actually speak about seeing people in their room. Well, that Both probably would do it for me. And they wouldn't just people. They said that they were older women in old-fashioned clothes and their hair piled real high on their head. That's my kind of girl. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> Loretta herself would actually feel cold spots and uh, electric shocks as if somebody or something walked straight through her in Oh, the house. my gosh. Can you imagine? I know it. <laughs> would you ever like to have that happen to no, you? No, I would not. Not like ever? No, I don't want anything walking through me. Nothing. I think it kind of be kind of cool. No. Okay. That's on. That's continue. that's exciting in wrong ways. Now, she also said that she would hear people walking up and down the staircase. She's got this big staircase, like mm-hmm. in a lot of these mansions have, yeah. and it's wooden. So you would hear. She said like you could hear footsteps. Yeah, you could like hear that. footsteps of people walking up and down all the time. And also up up along, uh, just picture the wall along a big staircase. She's got all these gold records and pictures and stuff mm-hmm. on the wall framed, you know, and they're yeah. on the wall. And she said that a bunch of times that, that these things just no matter how many times you straighten them up, they would just go back to being crooked. Oh. So that was kind of the first thing. Hmm. Now, her mom actually came and visited for the very first time. She was uncomfortable the whole time she was there. Of course, her mom's a sensitive. sensitive right. Yeah. She leaves, and after the trip was over, on the way back to Nashville, she was asked, you know, hey, what was wrong with you? It just seemed like something was off. And she actually told Loretta that one of her kids were going to die in the creek that was on that property. Now, can you imagine telling to her that? But that's what she felt, so. I know, but I don't know if I would want to just say that to her. I guess she felt like that. that maybe it's something maybe, she could do to maybe, keep it, I guess. Maybe oh she could prevent gosh. it somehow or another. That's awful. Now, the funny thing about this property is, in most cases, when you think ghost sightings, mm-hmm. it's nighttime. Right. This place has an unusual amount of activity during the daytime hours. Like, for example, there was a fisherman who happened to look up on the old bridge, and he could see a, a, like an officer in uniform mm-hmm. from the Civil War just kind of walking along the bridge, and he just slowly started disappearing until he just vanished oh into thin air. There was another time where a worker at the uh, uh, plantation, now keep in mind, this place now is uh, uh, it's the Loretta Lynn Ranch. It's not a plantation, obviously, anymore. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, but they actually give tours and all this stuff, so they got a lot of employees there. But there was one time where an employee was actually walking out on the premises, just like on a break, taking a stroll, and she stumbled across two Confederate soldiers at a campfire. <gasps> and she said that they just looked, the, the like, soldiers like, just looked at her. They looked at her? Yeah, it's if they they both could see each other, but it was no oh, big deal to either one dude, of them. Dude, that would be awesome. I would love to see that. Yeah. Now, Loretta Lynn's got a, a longtime assistant by the name of Tim Kahn. And he's a, a big skeptic. Mm-hmm. Or at least he was. He's probably not now. Oh, he was okay. a big skeptic, didn't believe in anything like this. And one day he's there by himself. They're getting some stuff ready, I guess, for uh, to be able to turn this thing into uh, a tourist attraction, okay. I guess. yeah. So he's getting some stuff ready. He looks up to the second level of this plantation. And he says he could see somebody walking in a room upstairs in one of the bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And this bedroom's called the brown room. And we're going to get into a lot more situations. The brown room. Oh, the brown room. I'll go to the round room. Yeah. Now, the brown room would be perfect for the bathroom, I would think, Ew. rather than the bedroom. But Nasty. There's a, there's a lot of activity that goes on in this room more than anything else. So we're going to tell a bunch of stories from it. This, But this is one of the first ones it with, with uh, uh, Tim Kahn that he saw. 
So he looks up. There's nobody on the premises at all except him. So he thinks. He sees somebody walking around in this bedroom. Now, he can't make out exactly who it is because, you know, there's like light shining through from a certain thing. And then you some, the light would disappear as somebody went by. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't make out who they were, but you could see them blocking the light as they'd pass by. And then they'd come back again. He goes up, goes upstairs, looks through the whole place, and there's nobody up there. Nobody at all. Oh, dang. And uh, so that was his first little uh, a situation. Now, he comes back the very next day. Still nobody there. And the only strange occurrence he had, but this is a pretty strange occurrence, inside the house on the, uh, you know, it's got this big entryway door. Mm-hmm. And the entryway door has some glass panes on it, you know, just to make it look, you know, pretty. And he said the glass panes on the door, the window panes, were frosted with ice from the inside. What? Yeah. So it's like, it was, so they were frosted, just like if you'd take it out and put it in the freezer or something for a while. So the spirits were just hanging out in there, maybe. I guess, but he said that none of the other windows in the house had any frost on it. So he don't know why this one particular window on oh, the door wow. was frosted. It didn't make any sense to him. But Maybe they were cleaning it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, like on the Andy Griffith show, when they put the stuff, Ellie put the stuff on the door, and it was like, like solid not solid but you couldn't see through it and then she rubbed it and then you could see through it did they use ice for that because this was ice this wasn't like shoe polish or cleaner or wax well shoot i guess that would make no that don't make sense still but that's weird though there's just one window <laughs> yeah it was one window and it was ice and and it wasn't cold enough that's the other thing it wasn't cold enough on the inside for there to even be ice in the window oh so well, that was a bad theory then <laughs> <laughs> well we mentioned the brown room this is the room, obviously, with the most occurrences, so we'll take a second to talk about that. Her oldest son, Ernest Lynn, he slept in there when he was a, a younger kid, and he definitely didn't like it. He said that when you went into that room, it was it was always cold, and it was always full of flies. Ooh. He said every spring, the windowsill was filled with dozens of dead flies, and there were none in any of the rest of the house. Just this room. He said that the room had a dark vibe to it. When you mm-hmm. walked into it, it was just a heaviness that just just felt like it mm-hmm. was just laying on top of you. Dark. Now, he had the very first encounter that the family had at the house. The true encounter that was reported. He was in the brown room. It's about 2 a.m. in the morning. He woke up. He said the room was freezing, even though it was summertime. He looked up, and there were two Confederate sto- soldiers standing at the foot of his bed. Oh, my God. I would have freaked out. <laughs> he said he got up, he ran into the next room, and he refused to ever go in that room and sleep again. He well, said I don't he, blame him. He said he'd rather sleep in the bathroom. <laughs> it turns out that several family members over time had reports of seeing these Confederate soldiers. Now, her oldest son, Jack Benny... He started sleeping in a brown room after this this event. And one night, now he was a teenager. He's like 15, 16 years old at the mm-hmm. time. He fell asleep. He still had all of his clothes on. He has blue jeans, his mm-hmm. shirt, his, his uh, boots on. He said he felt something tugging at his boot and he woke up. And right at the time he did, he saw a Confederate soldier at the foot of his bed with his feet or, or his hands around his feet trying to pull him off the bed. 
Well, maybe he was like, you're being rude, sleeping with your boots on. Maybe he's trying to teach him a lesson. It could be. He could have just been trying to help. Yeah. Maybe he knew, thought he'd be more comfortable. <laughs> Obviously, seeing all these uh, these Confederate soldiers, they decided to do a little research. And they found out that in 1863, the property was used as stockades for the Confederate Army. Oh, wow. There was a battle fought there, and 19 Confederate soldiers died on that oh, land. Dang. Matter of fact, the nearby church, which... Is on the property they own since they owned the whole town, uh, used to be used as a hospital during the Civil War. So there was several more people that died in that situation. One of the discoveries that they moved after moving in kind of ties in back to the same time period, obviously. They had this huge wooden front porch that goes across the whole mm-hmm. plantation, like a lot of these uh, uh, older homes back then did. There's like a cellar door that when you open it up, it leaves to what Loretta calls a slave pit. Oh, no. There's chains and bars and shackles. Oh, no, that's horrible. It's assumed that that's uh, where slaves were probably sent uh, to be punished. Mm-mm. She board that up, I hope. I don't know what she did with it. but I would have. Um, she said she's she's got tons of stories of hearing footsteps out there on those ports. She said one time... She was in there with a girlfriend of hers watching TV. Her husband was was gone somewhere. She's not sure. She said they could hear walking. And, of course, it's a wooden port, so it's really easy. She said you could hear walking out there like somebody with boots on. And she said they got up and and opened the door and checked, and there was nobody out there. And this happened like two or three more times before they just finally just gave up even looking and just conceded. Yeah, accepted the fact that. You know, it's probably a ghost, and it, it was no—it was no big deal to her. Now she's got another assistant uh, by the name of uh, Gail Crowell. Her and three other people decided that they were going to come over to the plantation um, the right after nine eleven, and they were going to hang red, white, and blue banners up mm-hmm. along the top railing um, out there off the balcony. Mm-hmm. So they came in. There's two en- entrances and exits. Uh, up in the very top. So they were, her and the, the three other people were going in and out on a regular basis, bringing it out, getting supplies, right. putting them up. And she said, but the last time they came out to finish up, both doors locked on. Oh. And they were kind of trapped out on the balcony. They had no way of getting inside. And there was nobody else in the house. And there's no reason that these doors would have locked. They came in and out several times without them locking. And both of them locked at the same time. <laughs> they had to actually wait till somebody came and oh, flagged, no. flagged them down. I think they uh, ended up using their cell phone to call somebody, and but they had they had to wait till somebody came mm-hmm. and would come in and actually let them in. So they feel like that whoever this ghost was was probably a prankster. Mm. That don't really sound like much fun to me, though. Just hey, let me lock some women outside on a <laughs> yeah, unless it was pouring down rain or something. That right, kind of funny. Well, but it, and it's probably going to be cold anyway because this was after nine eleven. So you're so already September, in September yeah. or October, mm-hmm. depending on when it happened. There's also been a lot of experiences with tour guides at this place. Like I said, they give tours. Now, Loretta said that she feels like she's got a special relationship with the spirits there. She felt like that maybe they got off to a rocky start, but now she's proven to them through her communication that she's there to make improvements to the property, always keep it look nice. So if they're if they're worried about what's going to happen to the mm-hmm. property, they don't have to worry as long as she's alive. And she feels like that when she's gone, her kids will maintain the property just the same. So they really, she thinks they really don't want her to change the look of the place or Pretty what much. you're saying? Yeah, okay. because she added, like, when they first bought the place, 
her husband did a lot of fixing up on it. She he added a nice modern kitchen to the back and all that stuff, but it, it didn't really change the looks of the place. It okay. still kind of kind of looked the same. Now, like I said, she's made a promise to keep stuff thing. And one of the things that uh, that she did was these records and stuff that were hanging, framed records that are hanging on the wall. Yeah. She said for some reason they have a special attachment to that. They really like those records, but they don't like for them to be touched. Okay. So she actually told all of the um, uh, tour guides, do not, under any circumstances, touch these records. And she said she didn't tell them why. She didn't feel like she needed to. No, she don't have to. Just, you know, I just said not to, and that should have been good enough. <laughs> and so one day, this one tour guide, she's up on the steps. And, you know, picture this. The bottom of the steps, you've got the people at the tour, and they're looking up. And she's up five, six, seven steps yeah. from them, turned the other way, facing them. And she reaches over and touches one of the pictures. And within just a couple of seconds after that, somebody in the uh, the tour said, who's that behind you? <gasps> and something pushed her down the steps. Now, that's what you get for not listening. What'd she say? Yep. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's so weird though that somebody saw. Yeah, somebody saw standing it. standing behind her. Somebody saw it. Now, That's an extra treat for the tour. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> now, Loretta, Loretta believes that that was James Anderson. James Anderson was actually the previous owner of the plantation. There were several owners, but he was the last, last one. He was the last owner. And he was very important to that, to the town itself because he's the one that created the mill, thus the name Hurricane Mill. That mill created electricity. Oh, wow. So they didn't have electricity for this. Matter of fact, the plantation was the very first house in Hurricane Mill that had electric lighting. Dang, he's a hero. Yeah, so he, he actually was. Now, Loretta found this out, she believes, through a seance. That's why she says, Mr. Anderson, and she thought it was him, but she didn't know who Mr. Anderson was. She didn't know who any of the mm-hmm. previous owners were, but because she was having so many different things happening in the house she decided she was going to have a seance so her and a group of her friends get together and they decided they were going to try to contact these spirits find out who they were they didn't do a ouija board did they i don't think so oh my gosh i don't think so but so they're all sitting around this table and the very first thing that happened in this seance was the table moved all the way across the room by itself wow. with several witnesses now, the ghost said its name was Mr. Anderson. Oh. She doesn't know who Mr. Anderson is. She just knows that this ghost. So now, I don't know how he would have said that. It may have actually been with a Ouija board. Oh. I don't know. But my guess is it probably had to be for him to know or for her, him to be able to tell her a yeah. name. So it says it was Mr. Anderson. So they start asking all these other questions. And I think it kind of pissed him off. Because after several of these questions, the table lifted up in the air and then slammed down to the ground so hard that it actually broke in two. Dude, I didn't been out of there when you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so the next day, Loretta went into town and she started asking around to see if anybody knew who Mr. Anderson was. Well, several townspeople knew who Mr. Anderson was, Mm -hmm. and not only did they tell her who he was, that he was the previous owner, they also informed her that he was buried in the cemetery right there on her property. Mm. 
So there was this nice little cemetery there, more of, uh, you know, I guess a family cemetery. And I think it was the Anderson. Oh, so she family. didn't have any clue who was buried there. No, no, she, she, I mean, she had a cemetery there and she, she knew, knew that. She though, knew right? she had a cemetery there, but she didn't know who any of those people yeah. were. She knew those Andersons, but she didn't know that they had any, yeah. what their tie was to So them. it's all coming together. Right. So after the incident on the steps with the young lady getting pushed, um, they kind of took some steps to make sure that nobody else had this problem, mainly by saying, don't touch the damn pictures and don't touch the frames. Well, but that didn't apparently work the first time, so. Well, but she, yeah, so what? Uh, but after somebody gets pushed down the steps, yeah. I would guess word uh, probably spreads. So they had another instance where they had a tour guide and they actually had a film crew come through. And they went into the room, obviously, with all these pictures and, and uh, albums on the wall. And the young lady that was given a tour said that she thinks that that the spirits were upset by the film crew being in there mm-hmm. because every single picture on the wall was crooked. <laughs> and then when they tried to leave, the door was almost like it was locked and they had to really fight to get out the door because it was almost like it was stuck. But they're probably like, do you want me to stay or do you want me to go? Make up your mind. <laughs> so they she leaves. She comes back on her next tour, which was like 30 minutes later. Nobody had been in there since. She brings in the new group, but there was no cameras or anything with this one. Mm-hmm. And all of the pictures were straight. Straight. Aww. Just like they were supposed to be. So that's the kind of crazy stuff that would happen on a regular basis that they don't even give any thought to. Yeah, because the ghosts were like, they know that that was their bond with Loretta or whatever. And right. And when Loretta said to do this, and so that was their way of getting back, I guess. Now, one day Loretta came home and she looks up on that second floor and there was a woman in a white dress up there that appeared to be crying. And she hollered up to her and and said, hey, are you okay? But she said it's almost like the lady didn't hear her. Mm-hmm. She goes in the house and the, and her um, longtime babysitter, Nanny, I guess, mm-hmm. of the kids by the name of Gloria was in there. And she said, hey, Gloria, who's upstairs? And Gloria said, there's nobody upstairs. It's just you and I are the only ones here. She explained to her what she saw. And she said, that sounds like you've seen the lady in white. And she said, you know, the kids have reported that. So who is she? Well, Loretta's daughter had um, seen this this person before. Mm-hmm. And she was, you know, this is one of the twins as she's starting to get older. She said she actually walked down in the hallway one time to go to the restroom. And she seen this woman in a white dress, hair piled high. So it's obviously somebody from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. She said she walks past, turns and looks straight at her with no expression on her face whatsoever. Then she just turned her head and just kept on walking and disappeared into a wall. They think who this is, is a young lady that when you go out to the cemetery, there is a a lady whose baby had died Mm -hmm. at birth. And then within a couple of months later, the mom had passed away and they're buried right next to each other. Loretta seems to think through her sensitivity and her contacts that this is the lady just walking the property, trying to find her baby. Oh, my gosh. That's the saddest thing. Yep. Aw. Now, one day, out uh, down by the lake, or the creek, rather, mm-hmm. her son, Jack Benny, we talked about him earlier, he was actually just sitting there, and uh, a man walks up to him. He was a preacher. Mm-hmm. And he says, son, he said, I am completely lost. Do you have any idea where I am? And Jack Benny said, yes, sir, I know exactly where you're at. Mm -hmm. And he said, good, because I have no clue. And uh, he said, I'm a preacher. He said, thank you so much. Let's pray. And Jack Benny told him, I don't know how to pray. 
And he says, well, today's your lucky day because I'm going to teach you how to pray. Very cool. Now, I tell you this because Jack Benny, being her oldest son, three weeks later, actually fell off of his horse into that creek (gasps) and died. Oh, my gosh. Is that what her mom was talking about? Yep, that's exactly what her mom had prophesied years before. Now, Jack was actually 30 years old when this happened, so he wasn't a kid by this time, Mm -hmm. so this was some years later. Telling you about Loretta being sensitive, when this happened, Loretta was actually on tour. Mm -hmm. And she said that she had this horrible dream. She can't really remember what it was, but she woke up and she couldn't breathe, and she just knew something horrible had happened. Something was wrong, yeah. About 15, 20 minutes later, there's a knock on the door. It's her husband, Dew, who had came in person to tell her that Jack Benny had died. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Now, let's fast forward to the funeral. At the funeral, she talked to this preacher who told her the story of how he met Jack Benny and how he told him to pray. Because she didn't know that this had happened before Mm -hmm. then. He told her that... He had prayed stronger and harder than anybody he had ever met in his life. No kidding. She took a lot of um, um, happiness in knowing this, and it kind of calmed her a little bit. Yeah. The funny thing about all this was nobody knows who this preacher was. And after this day, he was never seen in the area again. Oh, wow. So it was like... Maybe an angel coming to him or something ahead of time before he passed or whatever. No tellings, but... Wow. He was, you know, I wonder if Loretta was thinking, well, you know what? Maybe what my mom had told me is not going to come true. Because I guess she was probably thinking it was going to happen as a kid. Do you think? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess probably had never even entered her mind years later. No, Until not. after it happened, and then I'm sure... Oh, wow. That's that's really sad. That's That's a good story, though. Yep, so that's the story on uh, Loretta Lynn's Haunted Plantation. Mm -hmm. And that place is available for tours. So if you guys are anywhere around, they actually have horseback riding there. Uh, They've got um, several different parts you can tour. You can't tour the upstairs, I don't think, of the house. You can Mm -hmm. only tour the the downstairs, so you can't actually see the brown room. But uh, I think they actually have like some premises where you can actually stay the night and stuff like that. I'd like to do that. That would be fun. Yeah, so it's really cool. So if you're anywhere near Hurricane Mills, Tennessee, an hour from Nashville, it might be a fun thing to check into. Yeah. I would like to do that. Yeah, so. we should. It's not that far. Right. Let's so. go. All right. Well, we'll see y'all later. We're going to. <laughs> We're gone. We're out. Oh, <laughs> that was a good story. Yeah, I did like that story. And I thought, uh, I thought it was, you know, I had thought about doing that a while back. And mm-hmm. somehow or another, I kind of forgot about it with so many other things. And then. I rem- it reminded me of it, and we had this live event going on, and mm-hmm. I thought, hey, it'd be kind of cool to do something that's kind of local. Yeah, and it's, I, th- I think it's cool how she accepted the fact. You know what I'm saying? Like, just made peace and like, okay, you're just part of the family. Just hang out or whatever. And it wasn't, it, you know, ended up not being a big issue for her. Well, and then also, they were there. at the very beginning of the show, we always played the little music clip, and the music clip you heard was Loretta Lynn singing This Haunted House. Mm-hmm. Now, most of you probably heard the story and you think, oh, she wrote that because of this haunted house. Mm-hmm. She actually wrote that song two years beforehand, before she even bought this property. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
And it, and it uh, I, if I remember the story correctly, it actually had to do with the death of Patsy Cline because they were close they friends. They were good friends, yeah. And th- I think she wrote that song about Patsy Cline not being along anymore. But being sensitive, I guess it was kind of a premonition of things yeah. to come. Wow. Well, good for her. That was crazy. So that's the story of, of uh, we got for Loretta Lynn. Now what I want to do is I want to jump into our friends from uh, um, – Spectral Asylum. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a really cool show. You guys, if you haven't listened, they're just getting started, but it's a really cool setup. It's it's uh, um, Laura and her, and her uh, boyfriend, and one, I love the accents. Mm-hmm. Got a Scottish accent, got a little bit of a British accent. Love that. But they tell some really cool stories, and they do uh, they do some paranormal investigating and stuff like that. It's a little different than most of what's out there, and that's what I like. Well, so good. let's give a listen to the story that they wanted to send us, and then uh, hopefully you guys give them a shot as well. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Hi. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Hi, Jerry. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Tracy. And hello to everyone who's listening to... The Hillbilly Horror Stories. I love that name. That's a brilliant name. <laughs> My name is Laura. I'm Craig. And we are the hosts of Spectral Asylum. We're a paranormal, weird, wonderful mythology. Just about everything. Podcast, anything that's weird, we do it. And we are here to share our own creepy story. I thought we could have forgotten about this by now. Yeah, well, we really can't. <laughs> Yay! Uh, will I begin? Go, you begin. Okay, so this story takes place, is it last year? 2015. Okay, so it was 2015. And we were going out not very long at the time. No, it only been a couple of months. A couple of months together. And he decides that we're going to go away for a weekend away in Whitby in England. Whitby goth weekend. Yeah, they do this really awesome weekend where it's like a goth weekend. Everyone goes around and like cosplay and all goth get up and it's really awesome. So we decided to go. We did. Being the gothic type. Well, Laura being the gothic type. (laughs) So... We're driving. It's like two and a half hours away from your place. Yeah, it's a long drive. So there we are. We're driving. Everything's going pretty well. And you're talking about the house on the way. Yeah. And you tell me that your friends um, had a weird experience there. Yeah. We'd been a couple of years before and things had got kind of creepy and kind of weird in the house and I hadn't actually been back since at this time so it was kind of like I was just giving a fair warning more than anything. Anyway, so as he's kind of telling me these stories I'm really intrigued. Oh, you're loving it. I I love all this stuff so this is my jam. So I'm really excited. Uh, Anyway, the street that the house is on you cannot park on? No, it's an old, it's part of the old part of Whitby. So there's no real parking, and it's an old cobble street with really tall houses either side. It looks like it was from sort of the 1700s time. Yes, yeah, so the plan is for Craig to drop me off at the house while he goes and parks the car, which is, what is it, about a mile? Yeah, it's about a mile away. Yeah, about a mile away. I don't like walking. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we park up outside, and when I get inside, I get this awful, awful feeling. And it's it's like... Something there didn't want us there. 
Yeah, the the place it's an old sort of holiday house that um the fa- the like a relation of mine has and it's only used as a holiday home. So there's very rarely anybody there for any long periods of time. So it it does have a very kind of cold and creepy and damp feeling. Yeah, the only way I can describe it is when people have an argument and that kind of negative energy is kind of left in the air. Yeah, like tension in the room. Yeah. Yeah. But of course there was no one there. <laughs> no. So I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you weren't having none of it. I was not staying in that house on my own. So I kind of bit the bullet and we dropped our stuff off and we went to park the car and I went with you and I ended up walking the mile. You did. <laughs> so go me. Much to your, you know, you did good. Yeah. So, and then after that, I think we went back to the house to kind of freshen up. Yeah. Yeah. So we went back to the house to kind of freshen up and was it? I was in the bathroom. Yes. Now this house, it has, is it four floors? You have the basement, which is the kitchen. Yes. Slash dining area. You have the first floor, which is the living room. Yeah, it's like the living room reception area type thing. Yeah, and the second floor is, that's a bathroom. And is there a bedroom on that one? No, just bathroom. No, well then it's five floors. Oh wait, no, I'm lying to you. It's four floors because there's, be- uh, there's a bedroom on that floor as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's on the second floor, there's a bathroom and a bedroom. And on the fourth floor is a bedroom. So I was on the second floor. Now, this bathroom has kind of frosted glass on the door. Yeah, it's a sliding door because there's not a lot of room in this old house. Yeah, it's it's tiny. Yeah. And I was, I think, I, I don't even know what I was doing. I was probably freshening up. And I remember kind of like seeing a shadow. Shadow in front of the fl- frosted glass. Yeah. Yeah. Shadow in front of the frosted glass and hearing something. But I thought it was you. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got out of the bathroom that I realised you were two floors down and there was no way I could have even heard you. Yeah, and that that's something else. That's what me and my friends had, or what they said they had there. Yeah, so that was kind of like the last straw for me. I was like, what was it? It was about midday or something. At something this point. like that, yeah. It was midday and I was like, no, no, not doing this. So we decided to stay out all day and as much into the night as we could handle. So we, we went. We had a nice kind of like chilled out. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, we had a nice chilled out day. We went for dinner. Tried to avoid going back to. Yeah, we didn't. We tried to avoid going even on that same side as the house. Yeah, we we really did not want to be there. I remember we bought the Fast and Furious movie just to keep our mind off it. We couldn't even watch horror movies. No, and if I remember rightly, there's a there was a mirror in our bedroom that you. The first thing you did was threw your coat over it. I don't like mirrors facing me when I'm sleeping anyway. I don't like mirrors full stop. That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, so you're probably thinking, why didn't we just go back to your house if it was that much of an issue being in the house? Two hours away, it's a long drive. It wasn't possible. It was possible, but we'd enjoyed the weekend so much. Yeah, that... we, we thought we'd, we'd risk it. We'll risk it. So we go back to the house. This is the part that I look back on and I kind of laugh. We didn't, we slept in our clothes. Yeah, we did. We did, we, we slept did. in our clothes, because in case we had to run, I do believe. Yeah, something, I think we tried giving ourselves some credit at the time, saying, oh, well, it's in case the heating doesn't work, because the heating's never on all the time, and that kind of thing, but... But in reality, it was in case we had to run, and we didn't want to run down the middle of 
um, a very busy street in Whitby in our underpants. So we watch the movie and fall asleep. Now I wake up sometime during the night and I'm a very heavy sleeper, so I don't usually wake up anyway. I sleep right through until the You sleep right through a war. I I was. I nothing will wake me up. But this does. And bear in mind we are on the fourth floor, so we're on the very top. Now the door to our bedroom was closed. So I wake up in the middle of the night and I can hear this kind of scratching. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is that? But I think I was kind of like half asleep. Yeah. So I didn't really pay much attention. I think I heard footsteps above us. Yeah, I heard footsteps above us, but obviously nothing was above us. No. So I was kind of creeped out, but the tiredness was kind of overwhelming. So I went back to sleep. And in the morning, when we woke up, I told you what happened. Yeah, and I was like, what? You you got really freaked out. Yeah. So we had planned to have like a really nice morning and go for breakfast and everything, but that wasn't happening. We'd pretty much just started gathering all our things. Yeah, we we were having none of that. So we, we just kind of gathered our things and we went downstairs. So most of our stuff was upstairs with us in the bedroom. So we gathered what was there and then some of the stuff we bought the day before was in the living room, which yeah. is two floors below. Now, in the living room, there is a door before you go up the stairs to the second floor. Yeah, like a separating door. Yeah, most old British houses have those. Yeah, it's it's a really weird layout, to be honest. And that was shut. Yes, shut in the night. Yeah, and I do believe it was still shut when we came back down. It was. Yeah, but when we opened the door, we kind of pulled it to behind us and there were scratches oh yeah deep, on the door very visible long scratches i'd estimate maybe eight inches long yeah and there wasn't just a couple of them like, no those are good few scratches think of like a dog clawing at the door yep. and i keep saying this but we had really had enough yeah when we were we were pretty fried at this point and we'd also bought a bottle the day before. Yeah, we bought this really cool bottle, and um, it's like one of the old washed-up bottles. Yeah, and it had a label on it: "Sex, sex, death, sex, wow. death, sex, death, and magic." So we really liked it, and I was putting that in my bag as we were packing up to leave, and um, it had a big, massive crack in it. Yeah, it was cracked, but it was cracked from the inside. Yeah. Now, this is one of those long, long neck bottles. So nothing could have gotten in. No. To put as much force as it, as was needed to break the bottle. Yeah. To crack we, the bottle. We're not talking like a little chip or anything like that. It's a pretty substantial crack. It goes more than halfway through. And how we know that it came from the inside is we ran our finger along the outside yeah, and. The outside's totally smooth. It's smooth. It wasn't cracked at all. So that's. We we don't know how that happened. No. And all all the time we're sort of discovering this and getting our stuff together, we're getting a greater sense of urgency and that and that feeling of tension and apprehension is just getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, like whether or not that's because we're so freaked out or because something was genuinely sick of us being there. Mm. But like even now talking about it, like I'm getting really bad chills. Yeah, it was wasn't cool. Yeah. I haven't been back since. 
No, I haven't either. Um, and then I think I tried to light sage. You did. Which I was fully sure I did the night before, but you tell me. No, you did it the next day. <laughs> you did it the next day because you tried lighting it and it wouldn't light. It wouldn't light. And at this point we decided to leave. Yeah. But you had to go downstairs. I What we did was um, we got all the bags and everything together. Um, you were outside, not wanting to spend the time in the house while I went and got the car. No, I was inside still. I was waiting was for you? you. I said I wasn't going to leave you alone. Ah, okay. No, I even went downstairs with you. Anyway, so we got the car, we loaded it up, and I had to nip back inside to uh, to turn the water and the gas and the electric off, not knowing when the next person's going to be there. So, and that's downstairs in the basement inside a little cubby hole, like where the, the services are. So I, I go downstairs, and uh, I'm leaning in, and I, I flick the electric off, and I turn the gas off, and I come to turn the water off the, across the room. And as I'm turning, starting to, like, just finishing to turn the valve, you can clearly hear footsteps coming down the stairs from above. I mean, mm-hmm. like, bang, bang, bang. Like, yeah. Very ominous sounding footsteps. And not not even ashamed to say it, I legged it. I was having none of that nonsense. Yeah, we legged it. And as we were walking out the door, you heard the cutlery drawer go. Again. When I've been there with my friends last time, that's what happened as well as I was leaving. Yeah. The cutlery draw banging. And you could still hear the footsteps. Yep. We were having not Well, I was... It was just all just a blur because I was making it for that door by yeah. that point. Like, so much of the last 10 minutes of us being there is a blur. It is because we had to go out do everything so fast. We had to do everything so fast. Our adrenaline was pumping and... It really felt like someone was coming down those yeah, stairs. You had it was very ominous the way that the way the the footsteps were coming down the stairs. It was, it was like whoever was walking down the stairs walked with urgency and with a purpose. Yeah, and I wasn't sticking around to find out what that purpose was. No. So we left, and we have not been back since. Nope. And. I would really like to go. Curiosity's kind of getting the better of me, but I'd like to be more prepared. I'll tell you what, you can go, and I'll stay at home. Okay. Cool. Well, that is our story, so we will leave you there with it. And we hope this is okay, and we love your podcast. Uh, Yeah? Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, and good luck, and goodbye. Goodbye. Let's see, don't they seem fun? They are very fun, and I'm like you. I dig those accents. Um, I wanted to remind people, Patreon listeners, that we're going to put the listener stories episode up a couple of hours early instead of doing it on the first. We're actually going to go ahead and do that uh, probably 9 or 10 o'clock on uh, Tuesday night on Halloween night. We figured it's only a couple hours early, but it'll give you something to listen to Halloween night after all the kids are through trick-or-treating. So Sounds good. A little extra treat for you guys. All right. <laughs> I, I'm, this is this is funny. You guys are gonna have a good time with this one. This is Jack Kenna, and uh, you've seen him on on several different shows, but mainly Haunted Case Files. He's on uh, five or six episodes of that, and he's also on Paranormal Survivor. He's a paranormal investigator, author, you name it. And uh, the book he he gave me a book up there, and I checked it out. I'm not a big reader. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I think most of you probably already know that. But the book is actually a really quick and fun reading. He's got some new stuff he's working on. Uh, but I think you're going to like this one. So let's give a listen to Jack Kenna. 
All right, guys, I got a special guest for you tonight. You have seen this this gentleman, and I use that term loosely, on Paranormal Survivor, several episodes of, of Haunted Case Files. He is not only an actor, it's what it says on the IMDb page. I don't know how much of an actor you have to be to play yourself. but <laughs> they, they don't give you any other terms. <laughs> and But he's also an author, and he's got a, a pretty damn cool book out right now, and another one coming out. Uh, very soon. I'm, I'm very excited to have this gentleman. I got to meet him at Scarefest, and, and I consider him a friend now. We spent so much time down there. Mr. Jack Kenna. Jack, welcome aboard, brother. Hey, Jerry, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, IMDb doesn't give you a lot of options of what to, to mark yourself as. So you, you get actor or actress or whatever. That's okay. I'm not really an actor, but eh, eh, I'll go with that. <laughs> I, I did notice it said on several times. I, Played himself, and I'm like, yes, yeah, I'm like, well, that's. I, I guess it doesn't take a lot of acting ability to play yourself, <laughs> but if if that's how you're going to list it, then that's how it's listed. Yeah, you'll get, like I said, you'll get a lot of options. A lot of options how to list it. I just I threw it in there because uh, I'll tell you a reason. Now I I put that in IMDb. You can put your own stuff in there. They don't do it for you. You put it in there, and I want to make sure you know people in case somebody I was ever looking, they knew what cases I was involved with on those shows and stuff like that. Plus, my kids thought it was kind of cool, and I'm I'll you know I'll always be in there. My kids can go see your grandpa was you know. <laughs> <laughs> on these TV shows and stuff. So, I mean, I do it for weird reasons, not really for the typical reasons of trying to get more jobs or anything like that. You know, I got enough jobs. I got a job. I could do all that. Um, and, and I think we, we, we kind of talked about that down there. I work for the Department of Defense, and I work in engineering. And uh, people go, oh, my God, then how would you get into all this stuff? This is as far from engineering as you can get. So <laughs> paranormal and i'm like yeah it's true but i was always different i always like being different um but the shows are pretty cool now what did you, you, you we wanted to talk about the shows i guess a little bit right is that what we wanted to talk about yeah i guess uh i guess you know since it's my show and all i'll, I'll go ahead and ask the questions <laughs> um <laughs> i didn't just take it over did i let me ask you about you jerry i'm sure you <laughs> will before it's over with so <laughs> well, let's talk about um Paranormal Survivor. How did you get involved with that particular show? Um, as far as did, did they approach you, and, and were they looking for something specific when they did approach you? Uh, here's how that all happened, and that was the first show. Uh, myself and our team, really. I mean, because our teams, Spirits of New England, is our team out of Winthrop, Massachusetts. Um, it was the first show we got involved with, and here's how it happened. The company, Our House Media, sent out a general email to probably every paranormal team on the East Coast. <laughs> this is true. And uh, we received it, and I was reading it, and uh, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. So they had a link to their site, and I went there. And they, I'm like, boy, this seems legit, because you used to get stuff all the time from all these different places saying they're doing paranormal shows, they want paranormal teams. Half the time it was just a lot of BS, right? So, but anyways, this one looked legit, and I called up my team founder, Ellen McNeil. I said, Ellen, do you care if I contact him? I think it might be something worthwhile. She goes, ah, it's probably junk, but go ahead. So I called the number that was in the thing, in the, the email, and I talked to the woman for two, uh, over, probably over a little over two hours. And the neat thing was uh, this woman answered all my questions about the show and what it was going to be about and what they were going to do and what they were planning. And then she asked me a bunch of questions, and I asked her answered all hers too. And I felt very comfortable with it. 
And the next phase was, okay, do I have or do we have a client that wants to tell their story? Because Paranormal Survivor is really about the, the people who experience these things, not so much the investigators. And uh, there was a young couple who we had just uh, done an investigation for a few months earlier out of Rhode Island. And I contacted them, and they were very uh, uh, ecstatic about wanting to tell their story. And we put it all together, and we came out on, uh, I think it was uh, Season 1, Episode 6. It was the very first time you will have seen me on Paranormal Survivor. Uh, and, it, and they did a great job. Um, you know, they do interviews with us and the clients, and then they did reenactments. And they did a really good job of it, I thought. They didn't play it up too much. 90% of what you saw was what really happened to that uh, that couple and and what went on during the investigation and what we tried to do for them after. So I was very pleased with what they did. And then the next year, they called us up to do season two. And they asked me also to be a uh, what they call their, quote, paranormal expert for that, that season as well one of them, and I did that, and then the next thing I knew, a few months later, they were calling me to do haunted case files, so that was a progression, I really didn't go searching for it too much, except responding to an email, <laughs> and that was it. I mean, and it, but that just goes to show, sometimes you just got to put yourself out there uh, and, and take some chances, and sometimes it pays off. You know. Yeah, you know, and if I hadn't had a really good conversation with uh, with the woman at the company at the time, I would not have done it. You know, if it had gone south, I probably would have never done the show, you know. But they're a good company. Our house media is a good company. They're good to work with. Uh, I think they put together a pretty good show, and they've got some other new shows coming out. Uh, they're working on season – they're going to be starting season four of Paranormal Survivor, and they're going to be doing – coming out – I think uh, I think you'll see it down here in the States in November is a new show they're calling Scariest Night of My Life. And then we're still waiting to see if they're going to do season two of Haunted Case Files. We're still waiting on that. So they've got a lot of new stuff going on with the paranormal stuff. But they also do a lot of other shows, reality-type shows, uh, house building and different things like that. And a matter of fact, the uh, the head of the company um, – uh, God, I can't remember his his last name, but Simon, or I, I mean his first name, but uh, Simon. Um, it's not Simon Cowell either. Trust me. But but <laughs> the guy's name is Simon, and he was the guy who started American Pickers. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. He did the first two seasons. He started that whole show. Did the first two seasons. Did a lot of their work with that uh, particular company, and then he didn't like the direction it was going. So him and another friend of his broke away and they started our house media up in up in Toronto, Canada. Well, that's and they pretty- do some really great shows. Well, let, let's go backwards a little bit because during that fantastic introduction I gave you, I <laughs> failed to mention the fact that you are a paranormal investigator and you actually belong to two particular groups. Am I correct on that? Well, well three now. Uh, three, actually. I belong to, I don't think I talked to you about, uh, maybe I did talk about San Diego Ghost Hunters, but I belong to Spirits of New England. That's my first and most dysfunctional little family I have. Uh, they took me in back in 2009. Um, so Spirits of New England, and I'm also part of uh, a member of San Diego Ghost Hunters out in San Diego, California, which is some very other very good friends of mine, Maritza Scandunas, Colleen Rose. And then I'm also a member of the Extreme Paranormal Encounter Response Team. I think I got that right. Uh, <laughs> expert here in Cohoes, New York, who I met them all last year. 
and we've just hit it off, and we're doing a lot of stuff with them. And you met some of them, Steve Culls and Stacy, who was sitting at my table with me at Scarefest, and and that whole lineup was all of the expert team, uh, from Michelle Wagner, the psychic medium, down to Tom Conwell, who's a UFO guy, Steve Culls, a Bigfoot guy, and then me and Stacy uh, on the paranormal end of things. But it's all one big paranormal team, but we have a lot of uh, uh People with specialties. Yeah, you cover pretty much all the gamuts, and and when it's all said and done, I'll end up having each one of you guys on the show. Yeah, um, yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah, they're they're great people. We also do what we call, uh, which I I brainstormed and I put it together, um, the paranormal panel, which is all those people together talking about all those different things: hauntings, uh, demonology, cryptozoology, ufology, and psychic abilities. So we have a panel. Of all those people we bring, and we do lectures and different things around the uh, the East Coast here right now. That's pretty awesome. Let me say this. I, I do think that what you guys do is very important. I know some people look at, at you know, the, the ghost hunting side or the investigative side. It's however they want to term it. And a lot of people, you know, there's some people that just roll their nose up at it and roll their eyes. And But I think what you guys do provides a very important facet to the knowledge that, that people seek. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that, that need to know that there is a life after uh, this this thing we call life. And, yeah. and I think you guys help to try to prove that. And, you know, even when it comes to somebody like, like Steve... Uh, with, yeah. you know, trying to prove that there's types of cryptids out there, Bigfoot, stuff like that. You know, Michelle, who she's got, uh, I know she said she's got a show coming out soon. On, uh, yeah, that's the scariest night of my life that she'll be on that one. That's, yeah. that's her actual show. Okay. okay. Yeah. We got, well, it's not her show. She's on that show, but yes. Right, right. You know, that's what I'm, yes, that's yes, what yeah, I yep. Don't, yep. don't correct me on my own show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no, they're she, not our shows. No, she to, she told me she was going to be on the first episode, mm-hmm. and and but she she couldn't talk about it then because they didn't have the set time and all that stuff coming out. But, right, right. But, yeah, she just told us all that just recently. It's so supposed cool. to be like I think uh, I think uh, maybe November or February, one or the other. Uh, I think November it starts in Canada, and then February it's going to be down here in the U.S. So really cool. So, but no, you guys are were fantastic. Every one of you were fantastic, and you were all very. Um, very well versed in each each specialty specialty that you had, and like I said, I I can't be more thankful enough for uh, how nice you guys were to us. So, uh, hey, no, you're good people. We're all in this together, Jerry. <laughs> and like you said, we're friends. You know, we we just hang out enough. We talked enough. We're not just acquaintances anymore. We're friends now. So, but no, I appreciate I appreciate what you just said there. And uh, the thing about for me is, I mean, I, I like we. I do a lot of work with private individuals who are experiencing hauntings and our teams try to, uh, teams I work with try to help them figure that out. At least spirits of new England team. So does uh, the expert team. Um, that's what I enjoy about it. I enjoy trying to help people figure out what's really going on. Is it paranormal? Isn't it paranormal? I'm not really in it, uh, to really prove or disprove the existence of the next life. I mean, I, I'm a believer. I'm not going to tell you I'm a skeptical believer like like some people do out there. No, I'm a believer. But I say I, I always say I can reserve my judgment going into any investigation to see 
what's going on first based on collecting the data and then reviewing it to see what evidence we collect. So, but I am a believer because I've seen enough and I've experienced enough. I, you know, there is life after death. I know that. And that's my belief system anyway. So I don't try to prove it to anybody. Uh, you can't anyway, realistically, but you can help people open up their minds sometime to other possibilities. And that's what I like to try to get people to do. Keep an open mind. I agree with that. We we I had a conversation with a gentleman earlier, and he's he's um, <laughs> very open about he's an atheist. He doesn't uh-huh. believe there's any type of life after death. Yep. And you know, I was trying to explain to him some things that happened to me that make me a believer. And as I told him before it was over with, you know, it was a fr- we're friends. It was a friendly conversation. Right. I'm yeah. like, you know, it's it's almost I'm almost wasting my breath because you're not open to the fact that there could be something else. Therefore. You know, it's, 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 you know, I'm just telling you a story, but you're not going to believe anything I'm saying. And I have no shot at even trying to get you to even consider it's a possibility. And, you know, it is what it is. Right. Right. Until they have their own experience with something or something impacts them personally, whether just in their life or loss of a loved one, something like that, until they really start thinking about that or they see something or experiencing something, they're not going to believe it. They're not even going to be open to it. And that's what so he I, said. You know, I do get skeptic, I, and I do get skeptics that come to our lectures and stuff, and they're like, "Well, you know, yeah, when how you're never going to prove to me." I said, "I'm not here to do that. It's not what I'm here for. I'm here to just present what I have, ask you to keep an open mind, and we can talk about it. You know, maybe there's, you know, you have because everybody believes in something. You know, they may not think they do, but even an atheist believes in something. Right. Right." Yeah, it may not be the afterlife, but they believe in something, you know, and that's what I like to get the conversations going. What do you, what do you believe in? What do you, what do you really think about? Well, I don't know. And then we start talking, you know, and then the next thing you know, you're not convincing them of anything, but all of a sudden they're like, oh, you know, I never thought of things this way before. Maybe, maybe I need to think of things a little bit differently. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Think outside the box. You know, (laughs) maybe, maybe it's not a ghost, but maybe there's something else there we just don't understand yet. You know, and, you know, I, I go that route. So, but I do enjoy the part of, and this is why we got into it, to help people who are really experiencing things they can't explain and it's scaring them. They're not sure what's going on. It's it's becoming what you would really call a haunting because it's, it's and haunting means a couple things, right? It's not just scary haunting, ghost haunting. It's haunting in that, you don't understand it, you can't explain it, and you can't get away from it. You know, it's like that song that replays in your head sometimes. You know, it just it haunts you, you know, it keeps coming back. How do I get rid of it? You know? And that's what it comes down to. Um and that's what I like trying to do is, is help people. And usually we find people who are experiencing these types of activity have some things in their life they haven't dealt with. And you got to help them deal through that too. And that's not being the psychologist, but getting them to maybe go to one, talk to their doctors, you know, deal with these things of their past that they have never dealt with. They're buried it, right? And what we find is that attracts typically negative things, right? And just negativity in general, because you're always angry, you're still mad, you've got that buried deep. You got to get over it, you know. You're not going to forget it. I guess you're not really going to get over it, but you're going to come to terms with it. And you're not going to let it run the rest of your life. Okay. So that's what we try to help these people get to do. While we're also, if we do find there's a haunting there, there's a spirit there, we can do our part to try to cleanse it, get it out of there. But they've got to do their part, too, to 
straighten their life out, so to speak. Well, I want to say this. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of disappointed listeners because I promised every one of them last week that you were going to come on and prove life after death. And then you oh, come right on here and no, say you're I, not here to prove it. I got one it, EVP so. I could play that proves it for me. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do have one that I really like. I don't know if I could play it for you, but I can tell you what it is. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. And uh, and maybe this will open up some minds for somebody. Uh, there was We investigated the USS Constitution for the U.S. Navy. Okay, it's in Charlestown, Mass. It's referred to as Old Ironsides. It's the old wooden ship from uh, the War of 1812. And uh, it was the second night of the investigation. Myself, Sarah, and the boatswain's mate, uh, he was giving me and Sarah a tour of the main gun deck and what they call the manger area, where they kept cows, and you'll hear them, you hear them say cows, pigs, chickens. You hear me go, hmm. And then you hear this other voice, which is not Sarah, it's not me, it's the voice of a young boy saying, and a bear. And when we played that for the captain and his officers, I saw his jaw drop, and he's like, because we weren't sure it said, and a bear. We we thought that's what it said, but it didn't make sense to us, because we didn't know the history, total history at that point. And he's sitting there, and he goes, Commodore Scrappy, and we're like, what are you talking about, Captain? His officers are shaking their heads. Yeah, 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 Commodore Scrappy. He goes, what's a black bear cub they kept on the ship as a mascot in the 1930s? I'm like, what? Yeah, they did a world cruise. The ship did a world cruise in 1932. And you can go onto the site and you can go into the museum and you'll see Commodore Scrappy's black bear cub they kept on the ship. Now, the interesting thing about this EVP is this is a voice of a young boy. And people had seen him, officers, crew members had seen this boy. Matter of fact, one of our investigators saw him. Um, But all the boys that died on the ship, and they were designated as boys, they all lived and worked and died in the 1800s. So how does a little boy who died in the 1800s, or a young boy who died in the 1800s, maybe 12, 13 years old, know about a black bear in 1932? That's amazing. if he's not still learning. The essence of who he is is still there. His consciousness is still there, still learning, because he knows about this bear in 1932. And I always love that EVP because he's helping to give the tour. <laughs> it's like he's trying to tell the guy, don't forget to tell him about the bear, the bear, hey, the bear, you know, which would be kind of cool and important to a 12, 13-year-old boy, right? I got a black bear on my ship. You know, that's awesome, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But how do you explain that if all the all the five there's five boys that died on a ship all died in the 1800s? How does he know about a black bear in 1932? Yeah, see, and and like I said, to somebody like myself, I hear that I don't even doubt it for a second. I mean, it's just like, oh, that's just a cool situation where Mm -hmm. you know some people out there, like you said, they'll they'll completely dismiss it. Then you'll have your people that are open enough to at least say, well, hey, I, I guess maybe something like that could happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a, I got a commander uh, of the USS Constitution and his officers who all heard it and go, yeah, that's what we say. And they experienced all this stuff. They saw it. They believed it, you know, because they knew. They already knew. They had experienced enough. They, they knew what was going on. So, again, you're talking to people who were in the military. They're not really supposed to kind of talk about that stuff, but they knew that ship was haunted, and that just was an affirmation for them. And even they were kind of blown away by it. So, you know, still freaks them out a little bit, some of them, so <laughs> to this well, day. Well, while you we're know. on the subject of ships, you know, we mm-hmm. talked we talked for a little bit. And when I found out that you, you know, did some work 
with with the group out in San Diego, I asked yep. you about the Whaley House and if it was as haunted as a lot of people say. And you brought up the fact that um, you didn't feel like it was as haunted as some places, but some place that really surprised you was the Star of India, which yes. I had never heard of. Can you yep. share with the uh, the group, please? What your experiences were on the Star of India and what made you feel like that it was one of the more haunted places you've been to? Okay. Um, to the Whaley House for just a second. I'll go back to that for just a second. I mean, I did, I investigated there a few times. I did have activity there. But when my friends at San Diego Ghost Hunters, when we all went to the Star of India, I'd been on that ship three different, no, four different times now. And, uh, yeah, that ship is, we're, let me give you a little bit about it. It's an old uh, sailing ship. Um, it's birthed in the Maritime Museum in San Diego. You can go onto the Maritime Museum website and you can find out more about it. Um, it's been on a few different shows uh, for different things, uh, including Dirty Jobs. It was on that show, too, for with Mike Rowe for doing some stuff on the ship. And uh, But it, it sailed around the world several times. A um, lot of stuff going on. It did everything from cargo to bringing passengers from Europe to Australia to the U.S. to all these things. So a lot of history on that ship. A lot of people moving through that ship. Uh, a lot of deaths, different things going on there. And every time I was on that ship from the very first time, I had so much activity, I couldn't believe it. I've seen shadow figures uh, multiple times. I've heard things dragged across the deck above us, and we go up there, and there's nobody there. Uh, had a little girl laugh right in front of me that I can't see, right? Invisible girl laugh literally right in front of me. And every four other people heard it, and they said, Jack, did you hear that? I'm like, yeah, it's like right in front of me, but there's nobody here, you know? And it's crazy stuff, crazy stuff. I saw uh, a figure of a man, uh, just a dark, black figure of uh, it was a man walk out of one shadow across the lit deck into another shadow and disappear watched it and my friend behind me saw it too and she had seen things like that on the ship before maritza and she goes she saw me stop and get startled and she goes you just saw that didn't you i'm like I turned around and go, what did I see? And she told me and it was like yes that i saw, I saw that guy walk from there but it made no sound none it's a wooden deck, so you should have heard something, right? No sound at all. Um, there was only four other people on the ship with us. They were right up the stairs in front of us, and they were off to the side talking. They never even noticed it. But as I came up, I looked towards the bow of the ship, and there that thing was. Or I should say toward the stern of the ship, and there that, that, that thing was. Loud crashes, bangs with no explanation. Heavy footsteps uh, on a deck above us. And we went up there and nobody's up there. And there was only three of us on the ship that time. Craziness. I mean, and great EVPs every time. Um, it's a, it's if, if you want to go to a place that has a lot of activity that you might be able to get some really cool experiences on, and they do hold tours there, I would say the Star of India. And you could contact my friend Maritza out there and, and she'll take you on uh, as well. Their, their, their team out there will take you on the ship. You know, um, it's it's cool though. It, it's it's a neat ship and a lot of crazy stuff. A lot of crazy stuff. And I, I don't know what else I could tell you about that. That's the most. Uh, besides, the only other place I saw 
uh, as as much activity as there was at Rolling Hills, um, uh, barring one private client case I did in Springfield, Mass., which is in my book, by the way. So, <laughs> so but just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. It's a great ship, you know. It's 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 a fun place to visit too. Well, you, a lot of history. You brought up the book, and we're going to talk about it in a second and tell people how to get to it and, and future projects. I got a couple of quick questions I want to run past you first, and then yeah, we'll wrap up. Have you ever seen anything in all of your investigations that just really scared you, just kind of left you where that's different than anything else I've seen? Not that I've seen, that I heard. And that, again, I would go back to the Star of India. I, we did not see it, but... You know, we were trying to call out this ghost of a woman or a killer who supposedly murdered this woman on that ship. And uh, we suddenly got this really heavy, negative feeling. And we had these heavy, those were the heavy footsteps I was telling you about, we heard on the deck above us. And, I mean, that was the only time I felt like I wanted to leave uh, a location. Now, he couldn't. You're locked on the ship, so you're stuck anyway. <laughs> but, I mean, if... if and I wasn't going to run out on him, but I, I mean, I think the three of us wanted to leave that ship, but, you know, Maritza has some abilities and she knows some protection techniques and we were able to kind of get it to back off. But I, that, this, whatever this thing was, was extremely negative. Um, and yeah, it was, it was scary. What is your favorite Halloween candy? My favorite Halloween candy is probably a Kit Kat, Kit Kat bar. Nobody likes those things. I <laughs> Cats. <laughs> All right, then I'll go with I'll go with the Hershey's. I'll go with the Hershey, you know, Hershey bars. I like those. So, I do like so, those. so let me ask you: when you when you when your kids go out trick or treating and come back yeah. with bags of candy, do you rate it first and take all the Kit Kats out? Mm, no, I never did that to my kids. My kids are older, older now. So now it's the grandkids. <laughs> if I got it, yeah, I might look for the Hershey bars and theirs, but I, I I don't rate their stuff. I let them have their stuff. I uh, I, I got money. I can buy it. <laughs> I always rated the Reese cups out of my kids. I'm not gonna lie. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Reese cups were always good too. Yeah, I did always like them as a kid. I liked them. <laughs> so you know, but now I try to stay away from the candy. To be honest, as much as possible. I I, I need to stay away myself too. So. Right. Now the the question that I'm sure everybody out there is thinking, and 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 they will be all over me if I don't ask this: boxers or briefs? <laughs> uh, boxers. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Let's talk about let's talk about your book. The book you have out right now is Spirits of New England, and of course it's it's uh, spirits with a period after each word because that's the paranormal group you belong to. Right. Hauntings, right. ghosts, and demons. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell people what they can expect in this book uh, that's already out. Oh, all right. Uh, in Spirits of New England, Hauntings, Ghosts, and Demons, um, what it is is a collection of short stories. Uh, there's six of them in there. Uh, that's the main part of the book, uh, which include both investigations, four investigations that our team actually did. Uh, and one in Springfield, Mass. Uh, I think there's uh, the Constitution is in there. Um but they're played up a little bit, okay, to make them kind of more fun and more like a paranormal horror story in a way. And uh, but there is real techniques and and real and uh, ways to investigate that are built into it as well to give it more of a real feel, um, which it was. They were real investigations, 
And then there's two completely made-up stories, one which is based on uh, our team investigating at uh, Barahack in uh, the ghost town of Barahack in Connecticut, and another one that's completely made-up that takes place uh, after our team. It's kind of like it would be my grandson who creates his own paranormal team, but he's a demonologist, and that's more of a little bit darker story of uh, that particular character uh, uh, facing uh, a demonic uh, possession uh, of, a, of a young boy. So he has to deal with all that and, and what happens there. Um, so sometimes they get a little bit darker. Uh, so, But the, it's a kind of a fun read. It is an interesting read. There's real, like, uh, things that happen on cases that are built into it. But in some of those cases, you know, we have actual photos from the locations uh, in the first four. And you can actually go to our website, spiritualengland.org, and listen to some of the evidence or view some of the video that was actually captured on those investigations. So it's kind of unique that way. And then there's a section that's more what we got for upcoming projects. And then there's a back section that also has different articles I've written uh, about different, uh, whether it's just about my very first uh, kind of investigation I ever did on my own at my mother's old house, uh, which is kind of interesting to read, and uh, just some thoughts on things, a little more thought-provoking little articles in the back that you can read as well that hopefully get people thinking about some things. So so that's what that book's about, and it is available on Amazon.com and also BarnesandNoble.com, uh, and it's only fourteen ninety nine. That's and you a, go for the twenty dollar price, fourteen ninety nine. So, <laughs> it, it really so, is. And it's been selling pretty well. We got some good reviews on it. I'm looking to get more people to finish reviewing it, but uh, we've been out for uh, two and a half months, and we've sold just over a hundred so far. Most of those at at conventions and, and events we're doing. So uh, I don't think that's too bad for not having done too much PR for it yet. So I got to get on that too. Well, I'll make sure that we post a link to it here, and uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be interested in picking that up. So maybe they can get you some reviews out there as well. Yeah, yeah. I know people have been enjoying it, so if you check the reviews that are out there on Amazon and stuff, you'll you'll see it's getting some good reviews and some good feedback. So, so people are enjoying it, and they're actually getting some useful techniques out of it, I guess they've been telling me too, so. I know I've, I've really enjoyed it and uh, I picked one up at the convention and it really is a fun read. You're right. And I'm, I'm not much of a reader. We've discussed that before, but, <laughs> yeah. but it, I got through this book pretty darn quick, um, because it, it, it is a fun read. So, and that's what it takes to keep my attention span, unfortunately. Well, there you go. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you liked it. Now go on Amazon and give me a review, will you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I promise I will do that. Go ahead, Jerry. Do that for me. Yeah, I'll bust it on you. You know that. I hope you are. Uh, you are currently in the process of working on another book. We won't get too detailed because I know what's not came out yet. But you do have. Uh, you can give everybody an idea of of what that book will consist of. Okay. Well, the yeah, the next book. This gets weird because my second book that will be coming out, which is actually the first book I wrote. Gotta love publishers. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's called Investigating the Paranormal, and it's about now this gets into the real stuff of equipment and what it was designed for, what we use it for as paranormal investigators. It's uh, also about um, you know building a team. Um, there's a lot in there. 
building your team, uh, and if you are a founder of a team, picking out the right people to do the right jobs. And I, I do that in my regular job, uh, working uh, for the Department of Defense and Engineering. And uh, so I built teams. So I talk about that and how just because you're a founder of a team does not necessarily mean you should be the person to lead the team on every investigation. Okay, because maybe you're not a great leader, but you're a great founder and maybe you're great at something else at work, working with the clients. So it's all about that. And it's also uh, there's a bunch of stuff in there, but it also talks about some of our real investigations, uh, what we actually did on there, what we found, what the outcomes were. And then at the end of each chapter is a uh, uh, an insight from one of our investigators for what the investigation meant to them. Uh, what they got from the the investigation and some of their experiences on that investigation. So it's a little bit unique and it's more straight to the point. But again, I try to make it fun, uh, just like the book you just read. I mean, it's not nothing in there is made up, but I try to make it like an enjoyable read and easy to read rather than too technical or just too dry. You know, I try to keep people engaged while they're reading it so they get something out of it. I think people get more out of it that way. So I actually, in the book, I kind of ask questions to the person reading it, and then I'll give them my answer to that question. So that's <laughs> a little bit different. And that will be coming out in the, either uh, roughly, I think, the spring now of 2018. And that will be through Schiffer Publishing out of Pennsylvania. That will be awesome. I can't wait to get my free copy in the mail. You see, what, <laughs> you see what I did there? Get, you will get one. You will get, I, I did just get it. It is going to be actually a hard-covered book. Uh, I just got the, the first uh, flyer for it they sent me. Uh, again, it will be a hard-covered book, and I think they're putting the price on twenty four ninety nine on it right now because it is – I guess I made too big of a book, so they got to make a hardcover. So, <laughs> so, I'm like, oh, I can't do the soft cover. Even I like soft cover books, but I, I actually am looking into it, it. It's it's a nice technical book, but it's also going to make, I think, for a good reference book for a lot of teams or a lot of investigators, where you can go back and say, oh, I want to recheck uh, this and how this is. You know, I should use this or how I should set this up. And there's techniques for setting up equipment to potentially get the best possibility of catching paranormal activity. So we talk about all that in there and, and diagrams and stuff and all kinds of good things. So, and I'm actually looking at using that uh, for uh, doing some classes with for people and continuing education classes uh, at one of the local colleges here. So um, I, think, I think it'd be neat. We'll do use the book and we'll talk about investigating and then i have some local places we can actually go and investigate um so it'll be all part of that so that's another aspiration i have over the next uh, year or so to do that and there is one other thing you don't know about yet but i am also working on another new book uh that will be kind of interesting not so much about investigating the paranormal but about certain individuals within the paranormal and the things they've accomplished and and uh so i'm not quite ready to give the title out for that one yet but it is in the works and i think people are going to find that very unique very interesting and very inspirational very cool. I appreciate that. That's, you know, I, like I said, I, I think the, the book that's getting ready to come out, I could see how that would be very, uh, informative to anybody trying to start a paranormal group. I'm sure there's a lot of people just starting that have a lot of questions that that will answer most of their questions. So that would benefit a lot of people, I'm sure. So 
Uh, I'm excited to take a look at that myself because I I am interested in the investigating side. I actually have two pieces of equipment (laughs) and have no clue what to do with either one of them. So. I'm well, this will tell you what you can do with those pieces of equipment and how they work and what they're designed <laughs> for and everything else. I cover basically some of the basic, more basic stuff. We talk a little about, about more high-end stuff, but you know, unless you're really going to get into investigating, and then you really don't want to mess with this whole more high-end stuff because uh, it's just it's it's not designed for just trying to go out and. You know, you know, is you know, am I talking to a ghost here? Is there a spirit here? You know, if you're doing fun investigations, you don't want to invest thousands of dollars into that high-end equipment. That's more for the guys who are really trying to prove the existence of things with research. You know, uh, and we talk about that. That's part of what's talked about in the book. So, um, is this worth your money or is it not worth your money? Is it, well, it depends on what you're doing. So, so that's part of what the whole book talks about. Trying to give people some just nice general insight into things and, and some common sense approach. Jack, you have been a super fun guest and I'm going to end tonight with three questions. All right. First question, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Oh my God, neither one. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to choose, I'd be, I don't know. Be All right. Fine. Not my not my two things. I would say Billy Joel, actually, if you are really asking me. You know? I'll I'll take I'll take Billy Joel. All right. Do you like pineapples on your pizza? Do I like what? Pineapples on your pizza? No, God, no. There's something wrong with that, you know. Yeah, we're 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 on the same page. This this is the last question. I was going to lose all respect if you said yes on the pineapple question. Even if you'd have answered the NSYNC Backstreet Boys. I would have lost more respect if you ate pineapple on your pizza. So, <laughs> especially being from the New York area. So, yes. Okay. Last question. I ask this to every paranormal investigator I ask or talk to. If money is no object and you could go anywhere, what is the one place that you would love to investigate that you haven't already investigated? Oh, you know, um, hmm. It would probably over. Um, oh God, I can't. I, I, I can picture the castle. I can't think of the name of it. It's in Ireland over there. Oh my God, I can't. I just can't remember the name of it. But I, I think any place in Ireland I would like to investigate. And there's more than one reason for that. Um, I, I am part Irish, and I would love to get over to Ireland just to visit. But there's a lot of locations there. I kind of like to check out. So money was no object. Every place in Ireland, Ireland that's haunted. That's where I'd like to go. <laughs> Fair enough. Jack, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And, and more importantly, I can't thank you enough for uh, how nice you was, you know, just talking to total strangers and how nice you yeah. were to my granddaughter at Scarefest because uh, yeah. she she still talks about it. That's been, what, three weeks ago, roughly? Yeah. And yeah, three weeks it was such a highlight to her. For those of you who, who don't know, my granddaughter is nine years old. She loves Jack. She couldn't believe that he was going to be there. She was way more excited about him being there than uh, us being there. And when she came, <laughs> she saw him from across the room, couldn't drag her mother over there quick enough, and Jack was nice enough to spend so much time with her and uh, give her some stuff. And, and she he made her feel so special. Yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a great kid. She's a great kid. I love, you know, anytime, 
kids especially are interested in that stuff. You know, I give them a copy because we have the comic book out too of the Spirits of Forgotten Souls of Baypath. So I gave her the comic book. Uh, we signed some stuff for her, gave her some autographs, stuff like that. She's a great kid. She's a lot of fun. You guys all are a lot of fun. And, you know, we're not all strangers out there. We're, we're just, we just haven't met each other yet. That's all. You know, <laughs> you know and we have now, so it's all good. Well, that was, the, that was the best thing uh, I got out, out of Scarefest. Uh, we met a lot of great people, and yeah. um, you kind of led the way right off the bat. And like I said, I, I met you early oh, when we you. were setting up uh, before yeah. any of the crowd came through. And, I mean, you talked to me like we've known each other for 10 years. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I would like to say that everybody's like that, but it is a rarity these days. Uh, so it yeah, does stand out. So Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I just am who I am. You found that out. And, and you know from watching the shows who you see – uh, Jack Kenna on those shows is who Jack Kenna is. You know, he's passionate about the paranormal, which I am. And, um, just, I love helping people. I love making friends. Like I said, like I was trying to say, you know, there's no strangers. There's just friends I haven't met yet. That's all. You know, um, and I'm glad we met you, Jerry, and the whole family. And it was, it was a great time. Same here, brother. And, uh, best of luck in all of your future endeavors. Thank you. You too, sir. And we'll be talking again, I'm sure. Yes, sir. All right, that was Jack Kenna. So Jack's Jack's a trip, ain't he? Yes, he is. He is super nice, and uh, uh, we met him at Scarefest, and he was uh, just as nice as he could be. My granddaughter was on cloud nine when she met him, and she just was starstruck for sure. But uh, yeah, he's a he's a really great guy. Really good. We heard some really good stories from him. Yep, and we actually had uh, you guys have have obviously know the the story of Nick Hall and, and losing his daughter. And Nick came up to visit us. Jack got stepped away from his booth, came over and talked to Nick and his mm-hmm. wife for probably 30, 40 minutes. Oh, yeah, for a long time. And um, couldn't have been nicer. Now, what's even more impressive about that, he had no clue what had happened to Nick and his wife. He came over to talk to him just because he was that nice. And then mm-hmm. after finding out, stayed over there a little bit longer. But that's a credit to Jack Kenna and the type yeah. of person he is. So yes. couldn't very, very happy to make his acquaintance. And uh, I'm glad that I think that he's going to be a friend for a long time. Yeah, so. of course. We're so excited. Uh, touch on this real quick before we leave. I've got some good stuff coming in the future. Uh, we're going to be talking about giants and burial mounds. Mm. And... That is a subject I've wanted to get into for a while. And finally, um, got a hold of this gentleman. I'm recording that interview next Monday, but it's probably going to be the following week before we use that one because I've got a special one that I'm doing that I'm not going to announce yet because as soon as I do, I have bad luck and it don't happen. <laughs> and that's the truth. But supposedly. <laughs> no, this- you can't even. No, I'm just saying, supposedly this coming Wednesday, I will have oh my God, an interview with one of the biggest guests we've ever had. So hopefully it works out. And uh, when it does, you guys are all going to be very excited and happy. There, it's all said. I didn't give away anything. Okay. Well, the show is not over yet. I'm sure you'll... That's true. It's, it's getting ready to be over. All I got to do now is just tell everybody... Thank you for the Patreon supporters. If you want to support the show and get all this extra goodies, go to our website. Go to the Patreon donate page and just click on the Patreon link. It'll take you right there. You can see all the different levels, what you get for it, and sign up. You got nothing to lose. Yeah. We appreciate you guys so much, and we hope you have a wonderful week. Yep. And go visit our new store. 
And if you want to buy shirts or shower curtains, because everybody, <laughs> everybody in their life needs a hillbilly horror story shower curtain. Ain't that the truth? You know, I, I, this sounds stupid. It, it's worth just going to check out just for the funny. We have shower curtains. We have blankets. We've even got like comforters. Can you imagine having a hillbilly horror story comforter? No. Me either. But somebody out there may may look into it. You ever take a shower and the shower curtain sticks to your butt? Um, no. Never. No. Uh, only maybe time, that's a big butt problem, maybe. I don't only know. Only time I have the shower curtain stick to my butt is when we were out of toilet paper. <laughs> oh, is that what that is? Yeah. The, You're just gross. The plastic ones are a bitch. <laughs> we, need, we need to invest in a cloth shower curtain. Oh, my. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Love one another. Yep. And we'll see you guys soon. Oh, and go to our Patreon site and check out the videos from uh, uh, the little deal that we did in Barstown last night. Doesn't cost you anything. Look at it. They're going to be public. So anybody can actually see those. Uh, but go check it out. to give you a good chance to check out the Patreon page and, and see some fun videos at the same time. Love you guys. See you soon.